0: Welcome back to the episode. We have with us Miss Shaka, Shaka White. L White, That's and you right. are one of the dir- you're the director. I'm the
1: executive director. The yes.
0: executive director of the Sentencing Foundation. That's right. Finally, we have one of the head cooks and bottle washers here. <laughs>
1: That's right. And um,
0: and how long did did this because it started before now? Yes, and we've you're been lo- working
1: on this for about six or seven
0: months. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So it's been a long process, but yes. we're excited. We have our website launched. Yes. So we're now ready and we're starting to do some funding so that we can start providing services to individuals in need.
0: And tell us a little bit about the Sentencing Foundation. This is, I understand from an interview I did with um, the Honorable George Sorry, it's about providing you resources to the so, Iris.
1: so so think about it like this if you have um if you find yourself standing in front of a judge, yes. um, this program is supposed to work with various judges to give other alternatives other than prison. Okay. okay. So instead of sending someone to prison for a crime that doesn't necessarily deserve that, yes. she want to work with individuals in the community that can give them the resources to help them become better citizens versus serving time in prison. So that's what this is.
0: Oh, nice, yes. nice. And um, so far, have you actually started working with any 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 of the um, any of the any any agents? Well, see, the
1: or any of the, I, the
0: individuals who are taught in the system and you know, the victims and they uh, They are person who are incarcerated? Who are- so
1: let me tell you how this started. Yeah. So I um, worked with the judge, but I was also a vice president of human resources. Okay. So cool. I was the VP over a global organization, yeah. and so what the judge did was she asked me to hire five individuals that served 25 plus years in prison. Okay. So they came out of prison; they had no, they didn't, they didn't know what a, a, how to work a cell phone, anything. And so I hired them, paying them thirty dollars an hour. Yeah. And then the judge also found someone that would transport them. From their house to the job that I got, there. Yes. so she has been doing this for a while. Yes. This is just our first time really getting her own foundation together. So she's been helping individuals for a while. Great, great, yes. great. Well,
0: thank you so much, and we will we will actually have a follow up interview with you. Sit down and talk Absolutely. with you more I look about at the progress and how and what. How now, if people want to give or to donate, they go. Where do they go?
1: So they need to go on our website. Which
0: is www.fds.org. Again,
1: www.fds.org.
0: That's right. Guys, we're talking with Chakra L. White. That's right. The executive director of the Sentencing Foundation working to create change in Philadelphia and in communities. And I hope other people can learn from this right. initiative. Has That's anyone right. given you a phone call or reached out to you guys, any you know, of the other judges?
1: Well, you can call me if you would like. My phone number is Erica, 215-251-0892. There
0: we go. Thank you so much. Thank I will you. be in touch. Thank this you. is the Near Limbo Around podcast coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, All right. Welcome to another episode of the Nearly Boy Round podcast. I'm Ronaldo McKenzie. This is the audio version, the f- audio version of the series on the first part of the series on s- on the Sentencing Foundation. And we carried or we released the bonus sorry, the bonus version of this particular episode. And it's entitled the launch of the in foundation and it's it's the bonus launch and that's available in videos um all of this particular or most of this episode is available in video except um, a few uh er, a few of the segments that we will carry on this as well as some uh, 15 minutes of added commentary so um if you can get the video on the spotify platform if you go to season five episode one bonus and this particular episode features the full episode with some comments and some interviews that you will not get if you access just the bonus. So welcome to this particular episode. This is the full episode and you will get the full experience. Um, Earlier we had the executive director who we interviewed briefly there and we carry that but we will have her we will carry her opening address as well as the, op- the opening address from the, um, as, as, as well as an address from the, the director of operations. And, um, but before those, before the executive director speak makes her the address, and before the, du- the director of operations um, speak to us, we have, we have a, a presentation from Mr. Suavo Gonzalez, Mr. Suavo Gonzalez is, uh, I believe, is a 2022 Pulitzer Prize winner, podcast winner, and he is an ex-offender who was serving a lifetime sentence, who was who was released sometime in 2017, and he is now a successful podcaster. He's a ghostwriter, and he also works at a at a community college or at a college, and his job there is to help uh, to help help ex offenders or past offenders or persons who have served time. After they've served their time, his job there is to help them to get into college and to acclimate them and so on. So and he has a successful job there doing that. So he will speak, he will share his story and it's quite a powerful story. Which is and that story is powerful because it puts in it puts into perspective the importance of the sentencing foundation and how and why you can support this this effort. This is the Naila Boerong Podcast. We'll be right back after these messages.
2: My name is Father Goddard, and I was 16 years old when I schooled at the uh, first time. At age eight, of you know, i age 16, IQ of the world, and of the city of I city of the city of the I of of the city of the city of the the city from somebody city of I the city of the city the city of the of the Wrote five books. Of about fifteen books for comfort, right? uh, Got my J. Got my social degree, bachelor's degree I'm not you know, a you i a So I
3: started a scholarship thousands and thousands of dollars when they started putting the bridge, on the children right? And people
2: would like to laughing at me said, why are you doing this? You're never going home, and, you never go home. I just want to be the in fact, One day in the law of i will be the and to up, and and now be in 2012. to a and So I the city we had to another five years. made back, 2017. So I, was about, I was thinking, It was kind of hard for me because I had three chances. I am down, but
3: I didn't
2: know how to do it I didn't how to score. So I started researching about podcasts, you somebody gave me a phone that I still got. Mm-hmm. the mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> but,
2: but I was like, I can use this phone to really inspire me. So I decided that I wanted to create a podcast. And I created my own podcast, just telling my story. It took me about two years to get and because I ain't got no technology. So, we released it, and it dates me to about $1.8 million mm-hmm. in
4: episode. So I was like, what does that mean? I don't know. So i was still
2: researching. Next thing you know, we get a form call from the International Documentary The Wall, which is like the IBA. it's like the podcast. It's like the Oscar a podcast. Only two people are full of it: myself and the President. So, and I was like, I am not, you know, not really chasing no more, but I'm kind of stop So, the law president is behind the zone. And in May, I'm in the phone call. I got my job actually right in the power. And I see the president coming to the office, and I was like, I'm fired. <laughs> the kind of president of the school goes to the office. It's like, you did something wrong. the I was like, you well, like, I'm going to stop there. He's like, see, see, ain't I ain't like, got But I have I know I ain't nothing wrong He <laughs> said, no, you just want to pull in the wall. I'm the You Yeah. You that? I <laughs> we to lot So I'm of the To the sun it was funny because my name is like sound like swap and kids got <laughs> a So I get up there and my question was to the president of the Columbia University, you mean to tell me that since 1917 uh, the visa war was established, nobody incarcerated was able to win this award to And he just left that me to but I'm honored to be the first formerly incarcerated person to ever win that personal war. Because it shows, it shows transformation. It shows that we are more than our worth It shows that we belong. And it's easy to forget that I spent 31 years in the because I, I get to travel, I get mean, the uh, governor of California, got a couple of people to come home. With me. But at the end of the day, I'm in Philadelphia. Uh, which a lot of work still needs to be done. And if anybody knows anything about road and probation so in Philadelphia, we so have it. probably two hundred and seventy-five thousand ex-offenders in this city alone. But the thing that we have in this city is that our city don't have this only I'm seeing that. Time. I was able to support them 30 days home. Man. And I wonder, you know, like, we have somebody
0: that has resources for us. That's quite interesting. He just said that one of the things that Philadelphia has that other cities do not have is voting power Um, and the fact that he was able to as soon as he got out of when he got out and was placed on parole 30 days after there was obviously an election and he participated in that and it, it begs the question whether or not whether or not there is political will to do anything if 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 there's any interest, if people can get any interest out of a particular block of people, because in a sense, one of the reasons why I I want I want to find out what if as we think about how we can get how we can find traction with programs like this, one of the one of the purposes of the TSP, the Sentencing Foundation, is to not only to provide is not only to provide resources to resource resource based sentencing and supervision. Which provide resources to ex-offenders or past offenders, so that they can re-enter society and become effective. But also, if they also want to, they, this is a pilot program. They want to sell this to other places because if it works in Philadelphia, why not? Well, it will work elsewhere. But um, one, we, as we, one of the things that we 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 will point out is the fact that. What, how are we? Where is the buy-in? How can we find buy-in? One of the reasons why we might find tremendous buy-in and efforts like this is when, when there is some kind of interest to be gained in a sense, because parolees have voting power. What about other cities, and their parole? Do they have voting power? And if they don't have voting power, is it something that we can do, probably to get um, other cities to have ex-offenders? That have that right to vote, so that they can do and take the take steps and uh, and and apply initiatives such as these. But it's quite interesting that he should point out that that's a, that's a very important point, and it's something that we can probably study to see um, to study to look look at look at various cities, look at various cities, what happens in various cities in terms of incarcerations and ex-offenders and their ability to vote and the initiatives in those cities and whether or not this particular this ability to vote is one of the driving or can be a driving or sticking point. But let's continue with the, the let's continue with a, with this powerful story from Suavo Gonzalez.
2: A year to the day I was home.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Then they took me back to Sunday night. The other part of me was that I was working at the 25th District, so they had cameras. I'm not going cameras to go. And it took me months to do that. Wow. So, not too long ago, I had a phone call from my friend Sandra. She said, The judge wanted me to go see the judge. I was like, judge. <laughs> last time I saw a
4: judge,
2: it wasn't good. It wasn't, it wasn't good. She's was like, not you? judge?
4: That was I'm all kinds
2: of crazy. i my judge. So, you know, same way the so you know, so i <laughs> You gotta understand, I'm in media. I do media this I'm 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 like, oh. so i can win me. And I was blown away by what I saw. I sat in my car And watched the bottom work. I, like, hey, I should expect the front of my car and what we did. But the bottom line is that we need people that understand the people where we come from. I don't come from this cover, but I come from Northwood Club. A from Butler. Anybody know anything about A from Butler, then you know, that's what I come So, for me to be involved in doing this work, because today I am the support coach, overseer of the IMO program at Community College. But that way it is, anybody is coming home that's being impacted by the system can come to me and I'll get them in college. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's my job. Oh,
4: almost. <laughs> I <didn't> <laughs> so, <laughs> I was just having a conversation with I
2: that I I to the it up. I'm causing to look it up. And I am just telling you how it. not old. you It's not you you Say, you know, is, when we give people opportunities to have a better life, that's what we get. You know, and for me, I know how it is. I'm still on life time. I'll say that again. I'm still on life time. If I spin on the floor and you hit your shoes and you that up, you spin on my shoes and you get that up. Exactly. I was taken back to prison because my ex wife said she saw me in Delaware and I was at the 20th. Grade. That was like the only time that I said, Oh my God, I love the police. <laughs> 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 I didn't
4: know that tip there. But it's that
2: easy. And I was trying to tell the like, you no, know, I wasn't, yeah, I was hitting well, you. are going to hear it. You did it because your past. So I was like, Oh, oh. That was my first surprise, my okay. It was having like a business, a, million, a, million, a, million, a million. I, was, I was so traumatized that I thought it was too to myself when I went back Because I came home and I was doing everything. They asked me to do it. okay, bro. Wow. So, for me, doing this work is personal. And I ask everybody, everybody that's watching live on Facebook, we need to support her. When I mean support, I mean support. The same way we support all the big brands and all the rappers, we need to support the people who are care of our people and our community. Because if we don't, it will be your son, it will be your daughter, and we in prison. And if you're thinking that I've committed the crime, you're wrong. I went to prison because I didn't want to snitch on somebody else. And 31
3: years later, it's a
2: mistake. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: when they on podcast, and we just saw this powerful story. That was Swabo Gonzalez yesterday, and that was quite indeed a powerful story. Welcome back. And um, again, this is season five, episode one. And this, this episode is part of a two to three-part series that we're doing on the sentencing foundation that just completed the launch of their website, and I have a question for you and let me see if you're listening to, to our or uh, uh, closely. And we have a poll that's going on the, the Spotify platform and several other platforms. The question is how many ex offenders are there in Philadelphia and no. How many ex offenders are there in Philadelphia uh, alone? and we have several choices you can choose between. Is it twenty thousand? Is it thirty thousand or three hundred thousand? Is it 1.5 million, which is 275,000. Whichever the case, you have it, you, have it, so you can participate by going to the community page. Now, most of who and most of the offenders, most of the ex-offenders are black, and black people from communities ravaged by poverty, low incomes, and rising crime and violence. And of course, we talk about relative depravity. And relative depravity suggests, the theory suggests that where there is high income inequality in equality in poverty, there is high crime and violence. Now, we did a, in retrospect, we did a podcast series on what's like living like, like, in Philadelphia. And it's not relative depravity, but relative deprivation, relative deprivation, which is part of social materialism or Marx materialism, looking at the relationship between income inequality and crime and violence in certain societies let's continue where many people suggested that a father's movement was needed as younger men are beset by crime and violence and that without responsible fathers however many of the fathers are incarcerated and the lack of resources for ex-offenders create further challenges in rehabilitating these offenders or ex-offenders, and the cycle of incarceration and lack of fathers continue. However, judges are coming together to help. Judges are coming together to help, not just locking up, they're not just locking up offenders and i thinking about that, but they're coming, as a way to solve some of the problems. But they, they realize that the problem go beyond that, and, and those create even further problems. So they're coming together and are creating a way led by the honorable judge, Stephanie M. who we had on this show, and we interviewed her some time ago and carried another show with her again. Um, a retake of that show, just featuring her talking about this particular law and what judges are doing to, to create, uh, to stem recid- recidivism. Um, and um, and then matching incarceration, but judges are coming together. They're coming together, not just locking up offenders, but creating a way that rehabilitates them, rehabilitates ex-offenders, so that these offenders can re-enter society with the necessary, having access with, to the necessary services, so that they can provide for themselves, their families, and their communities. Now, Suavo Gonzalez is a former inmate who is now on a life sentence and he shared, a, he shared a powerful story earlier about how his placement on parole was not easy but once he was able to access resources through uncertainty or despite the uncertainty which has helped him to become an empowering figure to other parolees today he's also a ghost writer written several books and he's a, a Pulitzer Prize winner of a successful podcast and a successful career as a community college. Suavo was at the webinar and made a vital comment about the importance of the foundation and said that without opportunities, without and said without opportunities, then these ex-offenders coming back into society or people on a whole without opportunities, they can live responsible and effective lives, advancing society. Therefore, the foundation plays a typical role in raising awareness about mass incarceration. And provide resources that help the re- that help the, what is known as the resource-based sentencing and supervision um, uh, uh, program that they have. So, so they said, and you will hear we're gonna play uh, we're gonna play a video of the executive director and the operations director talking uh, about the program and what it's about. But it 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 provides logistic support to the resource base. Resource-based, resource-based sentencing Um and that's another program that not, that provides the resources to the ex-offenders. So, so, but there is a there are limited resources, and there's so much that they can do, and they're realizing that the centre is helping ex-offenders. So, this particular sentencing foundation here was established or created to help. To coordinate and to raise awareness about the resource-based sentencing supervision and to help to provide resources to to provide resources and to raise funding for resource-based sentencing supervision. So it plays a critical role in raising awareness about mapping carbonation, you know, provide resources that helps the RVS, yes, which provides resources to inmates, ex offenders and all. So now the future, the, this series will feature one more popper from an ahead who is now running her own reentry program because of, we won't have it in this episode, but we will have it on the next episode or on the third one. The cover of the third episode, the next episode will be completely audio. This particular episode is in video and audio. And um, so we still so coming up, so we will have we will have those coming up for you. In addition, the series. In addition, the, the, the series will feature other interviews from judges, attorneys. I think we had uh, we spoke with uh, we spoke with, we spoke with uh Brian F. Humble Esquire, who, who is a defense attorney, and um, we also spoke with um, Nicholas J. Renzi, which is another attorney. We spoke with several attorneys, several stakeholders. This is a which, which is quite powerful. Now, let us we want to listen to the director the director of operations and and um, and also the executive director who spoke about the who spoke about the foundation and they and, and talked about the logistics of it the operations of it so on, and more information that they have so we will have them um, we will have that recording for you just now second. Sandra Wright, the executive director of the Sentencing Foundation, giving the opening speech at the launch of their website. And of course, she begins by saying where she's from, Savannah, Georgia. Let's continue the the the, the, the recording with uh, Sandra, with Ms. Chandra, the executive director's opening speech. I have a
3: um, relocated. to the district as the first chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer in the United States in the court. So, this is where I met the political judge, story, yeah. and I met some awesome judges that are here today. And so, with my specialty in the resources the diversity, equity, and inclusion, I have always wanted to you know, I was really interested in to see how the courts function. I wanted to see how judges in particular managed, you know, they ended up walking to their courtroom. So I would literally sit in the court all day. And I would sit before I had to go to Judge Sawyer, but I sat in her courtroom. And I noticed how she interacted with the agents that were before her. She would take the time and she would kind of talk to them like she would, almost like somebody's auntie. How are you going, anyhow? And she would talk to them, and and I saw how the litigants would respond to her. They started listening, and they started telling, you know, not I would say a story, but they started telling their story. And she would take that into consideration. And when I saw that, as far as through the lens of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, I really saw that, and I said, in the United States, would obviously have look at the place called America, the Wall, but also look at the person and look at who's there. Like so that's why I am excited on this wonderful nonprofit. And I wanted to get stop talking about the And I wanted to announce another candidate, her name is Shonda O'Ginnis. Shonda is our operation back So I wanted to bring this Shonda up here. She's gonna talk a little
0: bit So now the director of operations is about to speak. <laughs>
3: Uh-huh. So the Sentencing Foundation is a uh, resource-based center. So basically, um, for those of you all that do not, I mean, I don't, you're most that's why you're here. Basically, instead of oh, okay. so, instead of just using legislation and sentencing and incarceration for people that have offended it really focuses on as Shot said the whole person and what is really the reason for the offense and how can we work to get people out of the system?
0: so that's important she said instead of just using legislation or incarceration which which focuses on one aspect of the individual now they want to look now, this particular program focuses on the whole person, and of course, it begins by the Honourable you know, Judge Sawyer, who, as a judge, will she want she try to understand the person before she provides a conviction, or she makes a ruling or a judgment, and uh, and that and the, and that's the, the the thrust, the rationale the, at, at the heart of the program is understanding the individual, and going beyond just looking at the the person, the, the criminality or whatever, to understanding other aspects of the individual. It's because understanding understanding the person will also help with the with the with the rehabilitation process. And rehabilitation here involves providing resources so that they can better themselves and their community. But let us continue with and I know you have some questions and some concerns about the supervision. The sentencing con- uh the sentencing you're asking some questions which are which we will definitely have a follow we have to have a follow-up and we have several more interviews and other people who we have to get to uh, not in this episode but in the next episode but let us continue with the director of operations speaking some more about the sentencing foundation what's it about and and the website and how you can participate
3: So once we find out what it is that is the issue that's connected with some resources so maybe we can help to remedy these situations without going to jail and things of this nature. So that is, in a nutshell, what the 17th Foundation is I'm so glad that all of you all are here to support us in this initiative, in us coming up with this, and in us launching our website. So you all know that you're here tonight for our website. Yeah. Okay. So our website. Place- and okay, down. But... <laughs> <laughs> but... Please go going to do I not a to have it. I'm going to teach you a word, right? so I'm we to going to teach and so, so we want some jingles, not necessarily the money, but we don't want some jingles. I don't of the jingles sound like the mainstream ones, but that's what I say. Okay. 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 All right. All right. <laughs> you good? What she right. say? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, um, I I want to thank all of you all for coming. Um. Judge Sawyer has done so much beautiful work and all of us have done so much work to get this to be a part. Here is the website. Thank you for bring this up. great. That was clutch. Okay. So, <laughs> so yes, yeah, this is the website. It's clean. It has a question. So if you have any questions, please feel free to click if it. it does go to someone. How do I know? Because I'm an operations partner. And I emailed. So it absolutely goes to someone. They do respond to you in less than 24 hours. So if you have a question, it goes person. And as you can see at the bottom, it does have a donate now button. Again, and as Shaka said, you able, um more It does, if you go back up to the top, it, is, um, it has um, the judges that are a part of this and what it is that we offer the judges and how they can be a part and how it works for the judges. Okay. It has the reform, what they're about, the resources, it talks about the resources. So actually I am not have family reservation because um, I am a in addition to certified life coach,
0: And um, the
3: judge has referred some folks to me as a part of, hey, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm still up. and so what you say, Well, hey, listen, I have someone you can talk to that can help you along. You know, get some things for out for you so the resources and there are a lot of other resources here tonight i know i met them so please feel free to mingle, with folks and get to know who you know who's in the room and that to be about us so if you who we are and what we're about, and then it has the bios of all of the folks that are on the board and uh, Judge Walker. So, um, uh, please check it out. Please, we did a lot of work on this, we're doing a lot of work, and hopefully, not. we will be doing a lot of great work in the future. So, thank you all for coming so much. We appreciate you taking your time, we appreciate you being here, and everything that is work, you do to us. Thank
0: Again, you can visit them at www.thesentencingfoundation.org. Don't forget to put the, the definite article before sentencing when you enter it in the URL. The Naila podcast, we'll be right back after this. I was the operations director at the uh, Sentencing Foundation launch yesterday, and I just want to reiterate here that it is important to point out in relation to Suavo's statement about providing opportunity and its lack in society. Equal opportunity is an affront to inequality and advantage or gains that some people have and want to maintain. So, if providing opportunities means others will come up then those who are ahead, which is the case in society, may be suspicious of the competition from the uprising based in opportunity and equal access, and may be slow to provide any opportunity, and/or may prefer to limit opportunity. So it will be. So the question is, it will be interesting to follow how this effort will take shape and form, and whether it will find support in other communities nationwide. As I was getting ready to wrap up production of this particular episode to publish it uh, one of the producers here, Mr. Nelson asked me some questions, he asked what is recidivism and I and I said to him recidivism is to when we talk about reducing recidivism it's minimizing the rate of reincar the re of reincarceration, the number of people who come out of jail or prison and go back in, you know. So they want. So I. So we say that this program reduced recidivism, and of course. But one of the things that we we discussed was the fact that this particular program was discreet. And then he asked the question: What's the bit? What's What's the importance? Why do we need a um, a super a sentencing foundation that provides resources um to to the RBS to provide resources <laughs> to ex-offenders <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a it's as if we're creating a an extra layer but the, 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 the sentencing foundation is geared towards specifically raising funds so that resource-based sentencing and supervision can do what it does, provide resources, skills, training, opportunities to ex-offenders when they come home, when they have served their time and they're back in society. It provides ways in which people can get reconnected to society. Um, You know, but I, one, have while talking about this, we we did we raise we levy an attack on on our rebuttal about this program because because it makes what we're saying is that people may want to commit a crime if they know that they're going to be able to go into prison. And leave, and when they have served their time, they can come out and get access to to what they would not get access to if they did not go to prison. <laughs> you know, they and they are seeing all these people who were in jail who are now out, who are far, who are all of a sudden they are connected and far advanced than they are. And so, in a sense, it creates a kind of negative outcome. An outcome, you know, in one sense, you know, how do you reconcile that? That that attraction that it made and that appeal that it can give. Or that impression that it can give to people who and to people in these communities. The poor and many young men who are who are in a problem who may see that the only way is through. Criminality or whatever, because and and to provide more attraction and more rationale for their criminality is the fact that even if they were to be jailed and even if they were to they, uh, even if they were to go to prison and be, they become inmates, whatever the case is, when they when they are released, when they get out, they would have gotten. Some of them become lawyers, probably politicians, own businesses and run centers and so on and so forth. And so, you know, I, I said to Dante earlier that in Jamaica, there was a situation in the 80s and in the 90s and some in the, up to the 2000s where many, young, many people in Jamaica, a lot of people in Jamaica and in the global south, in the Caribbean, They wouldn't, they, it wasn't a problem finding people or some people to young people or some people, doesn't matter, young or whatever the case is. Wouldn't it wasn't difficult to find people to, 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 um, to, um, carry contraband to into the US or other post industrial countries. Because of course, it's illegal to get, to carry it. get illegal to carry cocaine or um, or marijuana any kind of contraband, any kind of uh, hardcore drugs, narcotics on planes and between borders. So of course, there are laws against that. But people find their way around it. Drug dealers who um the international narcotics trade. It's big business. It it, it it exists today, it continues. And um and irrespective of international laws to prevent the people still do it. But one the one of the things that they would sell to people, to poor people in Jamaica and in many of these global South countries is that if you go to the US to a post industrial country and you get caught while carrying illegal drugs and so on, then you go to jail. And you get education that you wouldn't get in Jamaica. You get to stay in jails and and in, in, in a, and have access to certain luxuries that you would not have had if you were in a, in a, in 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 your country or or you know when you've that's part of the argument in a sense. And so it was difficult to 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 prevent many people or discouraging. Many Jamaicans from and many of these countries as well, from people from wanting to to f- take jobs that involve from from drug dealers that involve take tra- um uh, smuggling narcotics across the border, whether through land or the air or boat or whatever the case might be. Some of them they put it in bags and invest it, or whatever and depending on the kind of drug that they are smuggling or whatever the case is. But they would be, they would be, if they do it, they are paid um, thousands of dollars. And if while doing it, they are caught, it's still worth their while because they get to stay in a better prison, get access to education opportunity when they're released, they go back to their country. I mean, so, so in a sense, how do you reconcile that? That's a real, that's a real, that's, that is a, do, but does that prevent people from wanting to support a program that involves improving the lives of people who re-enter society after they've served their time, though? Because in a sense, we have a responsibility to help those people, in a sense. And we, you may say, well, what, what responsibility do we have to help people who have committed crimes and caused and, 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 cause and victimized the other people, in a sense? those are, are, I mean, and it's, and you know, and those, that's an argument that one may have because there are people who are victims of crime who may see this program as an affront, an antithetical to responsibility, accountability, and even to and the funds to the victim, and how the victim, you know, so But the fact of the matter is, if the, if people have served their time and they are back in society, and we we, we have, to, and we are all, and we are trying to rehabilitate people back in society, then the argument one may must have to consider is, they have children as well. They have and they have to take care of their children and also they can also help with empowering others coming up behind them and in in so doing we are minimizing the possibility of of more crime and violence from those who are coming behind or coming up fatherless and who are within the cycle of violence and crime so it's so it becomes a mute argument. Because this particular argument trumps all argument. Because in a sense, the fact that there's crime and violence and, and, and the cry for a father's movement, and the fact that prisons are putting out, if they have a strong program like this that helps to strengthen and empower people to be better and to, be, to live improved lives. And there are many reasons why people commit crime, part of which is because of lack of resources in society. The program should also be extended not just to providing resources to peop- to, for people who are re-entering society after they've served their time. But men and women in these vulnerable societies who have to look to the underground economy and to other means and, th- and develop other ways in order to make ends meet. Without having to destroy other people's lives, we will continue with the Nillibar. We will continue with, we will continue with this episode with, sorry, with this series tomorrow. Looking at, and looking at the Sentencing Foundation and this effort to empower those persons who have served their times. And as I wrap up this episode, just want to remind you that this episode is available anywhere you get your stream, you get your podcast stream, including Anchor.fm. And if you want to see this episode in video, it's available on Spotify, the near around, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Podvine, The Audible, iHeartRadio, the Alexa app of course, and our website, renallucimackenzie.com and lilialiberal.com. Just so you know, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash slash support, and you can also subscribe on any stream. Just to remind you that I am the author of Neoliberalism, Globalization, Income Inequality, Poverty and Resistance, which is an, which is an, which is an academic book, a non-fiction book. Which is available in all platforms worldwide and was number one on amazon in deconstructivist history and philosophy now just so you know i have another book coming out towards the beginning of next year it's entitled neoliberal globalization reconsidered so i you gotta check that book out the pump that book is provocative it's critical it continues to de- deconstruct history and critiques and revisits philosophical principles but it is deep and, and, of, and also forms the part of a wider dissertation that I'm working on. So check that out. Of course, you can visit us at www.denehlibore.com. And I should be back at JTS, Jamaica Theological Seminary, um, lecturing, uh, uh, lecturing Caribbean thought as I did before. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to some of the new ideas and new concepts and the ways in which people continue to think about concepts in the world from the Caribbean diaspora, so on and so forth. This is the Nilabarum Podcast. Welcome.